I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, episode 306, Sabat, the Black Hand. We're here today to talk about Sabat, the Black Hand, the most recent release for Vampire the Masquerade. At the moment that I am speaking these words, and I don't know how long this will last, if you go on the Renegade website right now and you pre-order the physical book, you'll get a copy of the PDF. That wasn't true a little bit ago. It may not be true in the future, but just forewarned, that's available now. So I don't know if the physical book isn't out, but the PDF is. Sabat the Black Hand brings a full book of information on Vampire's third sect of the Sabat. Sorry, Ashira, you're number four at best. The Sabat are the vampire's boogeymen, the monsters that the monsters are scared of. They care nothing for humanity, whether it's with or without a capital H. They venerate diablerie and seek the destruction of elders. They're religious fanatics bent on nothing less than the obliteration of the founders of the vampire clans. And they have no compunction about embracing scores of humans at a time or shredding the masquerade to do it. Sabat the Black Hand is not, however, the same sort of presentation as Camarilla or Anarch, the other two books about the vampire sects. For one, it is substantially shorter than those two books, weighing in at about 125 pages. And, as I'll talk about more, it is firmly aimed at using the Sabat as antagonists only, which really splits this book's audience in two. Players who are looking for how does the Sabat work in V5 are probably going to have a much different opinion from players who are looking for how do I play as V20 style Sabat using V5 mechanics. In general, I try to keep my Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition reviews to reviews of the book as something for V5. It's almost impossible to do that, however, with Sabat. There is too much Sturm und Drang amongst longtime vampire fans about the revised and therefore V20 era notion of the Sabat as a fully playable option, as compared to the V5 era where they are emphatically not. The V5 core book was, to my mind, not terribly clear on how things had changed day to day in the interaction between the Anarchs and the Camarilla, but it was quite clear about the basics of how things had changed for the Sabat, and they had changed a lot. As such, this review is going to discuss how this book might be used in a typical V5 campaign, but it must of necessity also consider how it can or cannot be used in other ways, how much things have changed in setting and in theme and in mechanics, or lack thereof, for the Sabat. And I'm going to just tackle this head-on instead of what otherwise I might do of having more of a, an introduction to the Sabbat for people who are new to Vampire and don't necessarily know Vampire very well. First, Sabbat the Black Hand explicitly emphasizes how the Sabbat are being presented as antagonists, not as possible player characters. Right? This isn't just a thing where, oh, it's the general idea of the book that they're antagonists, not player characters. It flat out says it in the book right up front, like repeatedly. As the book notes, Sabat vampires are entirely removed from humanity, and therefore 
they are entirely removed from one of, if not the, central theme of Vampire the Masquerade. Indeed, there's a greater emphasis on paths of enlightenment in Sabbat the Black Hand, not because they want to go into a lot of detail about how paths of enlightenment work, but because those paths of enlightenment are the very ways that the Sabbat uses to discard humanity, capital H. But Sabbat the Black Hand goes further than that, emphasizing how, despite its creed of personal freedom and revolution, the Sabbat largely consists of vampires who have been brainwashed and bloodbound to the cause. In this regard, to a real extent, it calls out a hypocrisy that has always lied at the heart of the Sabbat. The Sabbat of V5 is in some ways a pure Sabbat, more reminiscent of the very original conception of the sect. Gone are the Byzantine political structures. Gone are the multiple ancient subsects. Gone is the pseudo-masquerade. And gone are the Camarilla-like politics that were added, starting in the Revised Era especially, to make the Sabbat more functional for use as protagonists in Chronicles. The Sabbat have been ravaged by the Second Inquisition and is flinging itself headlong into the Gehenna War. The former capital, Mexico City, has been abandoned. The title of regent ostensibly exists, but is empty. Cardinals, once you know a venerated title, are basically just Sabbat with a large enough war party and visions of grandeur. Instead, the Sabbat are stripped down to their antagonistic roots, a fanatical enemy hellbent on destruction and heedless of the masquerade. It is not a coincidence that shifting the Sabbat away from the notion of being potential protagonists has also stripped them of many aspects that kind of made them just another Camarilla, another worldwide political organization of vampires, just one with different sorts of rhetoric and a different type of blood bond. This stance has had consequences for the Sabbat. Because they want to fight the Gehenna War, they generally don't try to resist the beckoning and have died at an alarming rate answering that call. Further, with the rise of the Second Inquisition, the Sabbat's nonchalant approach to staying hidden means that many of them have met final death at the hands of mortal hunters. Between these mass casualties and the removal of all that top-heavy political structure, the Sabbat is a shell of its former self. Indeed, Sabbat the Black Hand suggests that in some ways it isn't even really a sect anymore more a collection of independent outfits with generally similar goals. Although, to be fair, you could say that about the Anarchs, too. So, let me be blunt. If you want the Sabbat of the Revised and V20 era, this book probably isn't for you. It's not just that there's a conscious withholding of mechanical support for Sabbat player characters. It's that Almost everything about the sect has been recast to make them function as antagonists. In some ways, returning to the very oldest presentations of the Sabbat, and in other ways, doing something entirely new. So, with that discussed, what is the Sabbat up to? Alright, so we know from the V5 core book that the Sabbat want to stop the Antediluvians, and a bunch of them have gone off to fight the Gehenna War in the Middle East. Well, Sabat the Black Hand mentions that there are other Gehenna War hotspots than the Middle East, such as Russia, 
and South America. I, I know those are kind of big to be hotspots. It's also a little unclear how much South America or Brazil more specifically maybe is Gehenna War versus just a lot of Camarilla moving in to take advantage of the Sabat weakness, but it does reference it as a hotspot. This is what the majority of the Sabat are up to, fighting the Hot War. Probably more likely for player characters to run into are Sabat fighting the Cold War, attacking directly or indirectly the vampires of the Camarilla, Anarchs, or Ashira. Right? Sabat want to destroy the Camarilla. They want to end the Anarch movement as well, although individual Anarchs might be seen as fertile recruiting ground, if only they could be made to truly understand the existential threat of the Antediluvians. Probably the most noteworthy metaplot tidbit in all of this is that Alamut, the longtime stronghold of the Banu Hakim, has fallen, possibly to a group of Sabat led by a Salubri. The indication is that Urshulgi, however, did survive. And I'll note, right, this is presented as an, in an in-character euphemistic point of view, and the world of darkness is famous for its unreliable narrator, so, you know, n- no guarantees. Regardless, most of this action is conducted at the pack level, or a little higher. The Sabbat doesn't follow a central authority anymore, and pack priests tend to dictate the actions of their pack according to their path of enlightenment and personal preferences. Note that there is no longer a distinction between a pack's spiritual leader and its temporal leader. There's just one person in charge, that's the pack priest, and typically packs are all on the same path of enlightenment. Cold War packs might target Camarilla elders for diablerie, They might engage in mostly mindless violence to strain the masquerade police, or they might prepare supernatural shock troops of the shovelhead or oblivion-controlled variety. A concerted assault on a city is often preceded by a call to quote-unquote crusade, hopefully from the Sabbat's point of view, drawing in a variety of packs to take advantage of destabilization in the target domain that it was caused by the pack that is calling the crusade. So a storyteller who wants to run a more insistent sort of sectarian conflict will still have that option. I mentioned cardinals and the regent earlier. Bishops and archbishops do still exist, and there are still Sabbat cities, although they are much fewer in number and often of much lower vampiric population than they once were. Thank you, Second Inquisition. Some of these titles are flexible, and there are plenty of specifics to buck the generalities. For example, the famed Lucita is still around and is still active as a Sabbat leader. She is the Archbishop of Madrid in what is otherwise essentially a, a Camarilla city, although it's kind of misleading to call it otherwise a Camarilla city because Lucita is the direct leader of a pack that consists of over a hundred vampires, which might be more Camarilla vampires than there are in the entire city. One would expect them to be. Right, So you've got one vampire who has multiple titles and who's acting as a direct autocrat over quite a large number of folks with a long-term presence in a contested city. Other locations identified as Sabat domains are Belgrade and Tijuana, but there are far more instances of, hey, there are some Sabat trying to contest a city than Sabat actually holding a city. Note that, as presented in Sabat the Black Hand, clan is of relatively little importance in the Sabbat, who see it as a legacy of the hated antediluvians. This is a 
as far as I'm aware, a new concept for the sect, as prior editions of the game still saw great concern for the leadership of the Lissambra and its Amitsi. The Lissambra, of course, have bolted at this point, but and they also showed great concern for what sort of antitribu there were around. The concept of antitribu still exists. Lissambra and Zemitsi who aren't in the Sabbat might be labeled antitribu. Anyone else in the Sabbat might get that tag as well. But it's a term of little meaning, right? This is not a book that has a separate write-up of, you know, Ventru antitribu, Toridor antitribu, like you might have seen in a Sabbat book in days gone by. And part of the reason why these terms have little meaning is the emphasis on how the individual distinctions between vampires are scrubbed away in the collective of the Sabbat. And now, now this is just socially speaking, of course. Vampires don't lose their clan banes or their discipline affinities just because they joined the Sabbat. Beyond the overarching purpose of the Sabbat, one key discussion is the sect's use of rituals, not the blood sorcery ones but just more everyday ones. Of course, the most important of these is the Valdri, the ritual that breaks blood bonds and binds the members of a Sabbat back together. These bonds of loyalty are known as vincula. Uh, in many ways, the Valdri is the heart of the Sabbat. From a storytelling perspective, it's a clear signal of who the player character's enemies really are. But note that like all of these rituals presented in the book, there are no mechanics provided for the Valdry or for Vincula. It's clear that there is a substantive effect. The Valdry didn't become some mundane ritual that just symbolically binds the pack together. It is clearly presented as still having a supernatural blood-bonding effect that binds the pack together. There just aren't any mechanics for it. Other formal rituals discussed include the creation rites, you know, including the traditional apply shovel to head, embrace mortal, bury, see what happens. Monomancy, which is formal duels, blood feasts, which are exactly what they sound like, festivals of the dead, which is just commemoration of the dead, fire dancing, which is demonstrating bravery and prowess by jumping through flames. You can also see the Camarilla Church of Cain doing this over in Cults of the Blood Gods. Blood baths, a baptism into the Sabbat religious hierarchy. War parties, which is the party before the more literal war party. And then wild hunts. You know, to paraphrase the bard, a blood hunt by any other name would taste as sweet. And that's just the formal rituals. Consistent with the Sabbat's role as antagonist, there, again, there's no formal mechanics for these which I can only conclude is a, like, a deliberate decision to just not have mechanics, to make these not readily usable for player characters. They're there for background, they're there for flavor, make up whatever effect it is you want from a story perspective on the Sabbat. And then beyond those widespread informal rituals, there's also discussion of informal rituals and then path-specific variations of the rituals. And speaking of Paths of Enlightenment. Paths of Enlightenment are how vampires who have left the concerns of humanity behind stay in control and, eh, sort of, keep the beast at bay. Again, note that this is, again, kind of like the rituals, there's no mechanics for this, right? There is no need to keep track of the degeneration of vampires on paths because in V5, such vampires are, by definition, not 
play your characters. There's no set of sins for each path that you could like replace the sins of humanity. Not that humanity actually has sins in V5, but you know what I mean. Although I am amused by the fact that there is a flavor reference in the text to the hierarchy of sins of one of the paths, which is how they, all of the paths in humanity used to be discussed. Vampires on paths don't have humanity scores, and there's no mechanical replacement for that. There's no path score or the like. I mean, there's nothing that stops a storyteller from coming up with your own version of this, but really are largely coming up with your own. I mean, every path has three ethics. Maybe you could make them chronicle tenets that apply to a vampire on the path. You assign them a starting path score and they can accumulate stains for deviating from those tenets. But again, and this is all you know, specifically starting from almost scratch to shoehorn player character Sabat into a, a setting in a book that is expressly telling you not to do that. So what you're going to get with each path beyond a, a full-page clan-like art introduction is a single-page write-up initially, and then later there's a couple of two, three pages of different pack and NPC suggestions for that path, there might be some discussion later about how different packs on different paths might take on what their interpretation might be of different roles in the Sabbat. The intro, like I mentioned, has three ethics. It has suggestions on using the path in a chronicle and which disciplines the path favors. Sabbat the Black Hand presents five paths, and one of them is brand new and focused on the thin-blooded. So again, those who are hoping for V5 versions of the plethora of paths in V20, or roads if you're in uh, Vampire Dark Ages, will be disappointed. Right? You, there's five, and, and only four of them are going to be ones that you're familiar with. Note that all of these established paths, not just the Path of Cain, recognize Cain as the progenitor of vampires, with the Sabbat as his black hand, and venerate the supposed superiority of vampires as compared to humans. The five included paths are, first, the Path of Cain. To my mind, this is the central path of the Sabbat, right? It is heavily focused on the veneration of Cain, uh, although mostly just through drinking lots and lots of blood, especially if it means getting to lower one's generation through diablery. The Nautists, as they are sometimes called, are fond of blood sorcery, animalism, obfuscate, potence, and protein. And uh, I, I think they like Protean for the same reason that we players kind of like. It's really good for killing other vampires. Then there's the path of the Cathari. Despite my kind of thoughts of the path of Cain as being the central one, the path of Cathari is actually the most common path in the Sabbat. And it's essentially a path of hedonism and cruelty, right? The Cathari are what you get when you take and it harm none, do what thou wilt, and replace it with something like, do what thou wilt so long as it harms someone. Their shallowness and large numbers also tend to make them the default mass troops of the Sabbat. They tend to favor physical disciplines as well as aspects, obfuscate, and presence. Then there's the path of death and the soul. This is a very esoteric path as compared to the other options, and it focuses on understanding, uh, well, death, and the soul. The Necronomists generally keep a chain on their beasts in a way that other Sabbat do not. 
and they are far more likely to stay away from the front lines of the Gehenna War. They favor oblivion, auspex, blood sorcery, and dominate. So basically Hakata anti-tribute, right? Then you've got the path of power and the inner voice, or as I have always called it, the path of whatever it was that I wanted to do anyway. I think that label is still fairly apt as this path focuses on achieving success and power and forcing others to your will. They are more likely to focus on mental or social disciplines than other members of the Sabbat. This, of course, you know, dominate features heavily in this, but they also like fortitude and potence. The fifth path, which is new and not super organized, is the path of the sun. Uh, it also specifically mentions that this path has fairly flimsy ethics that are unlikely to hold the beast at bay for long. But then again, this is about thin bloods, and Sabbat vampires in general are short lived, but thin bloods, they don't even last as long as a normal vampire in the Sabbat. What convictions there are focus on exalting the mixed nature of the thin bloods and taking advantage of that nature to wage war on Cain's enemies. Now, in addition to these five, there's also a note about paths that are mostly no longer practiced by the Sabbat. Not, not that they don't exist, but they're not that much of a thing. It does mention the Path of the Beast, which it's not practiced that much because it doesn't work, essentially. The Path of Honorable Accord, because it is seen as too rigid and Camarilla-like. Like, isn't that tyrant of a Camarilla prince just really on the Path of Honorable Accord anyway? And then the Path of Lilith, which were always odd bedfellows with the Sabbat, given their hatred of Cain. Of course, you can go check out your Lilith-worshipping Bahari over in Cults of the Blood Gods and in the Camarilla now. Okay, so those are the paths. And then we have discipline powers and rituals and ceremonies. These are the mechanical takeaway. If you're a player just looking for mechanics, this is what you're going to get. Discipline powers, rituals, ceremonies. There are no lore sheets in Sabbat the Black Hand. There are eight new discipline powers, there's seven new rituals or ceremonies, and there's also a pair of alchemies. Out of everything in this book, these are also the things that, not, not just mechanically, but also thematically, are not quite as focused on the Sabbat. There are some of these powers that seem notably more useful to a Camarilla vampire than they would to a Sabbat. So I'm not going to try to micro-analyze all of them here, but I'll at least you know hit on what each of these does. So there's Unerring Pursuit. This is an Auspex 2 Dominate 1 Amalgam that allows the vampire to track a target, probably for a night or two, by being able to see out of the victim's eyes whenever the victim looks at themselves in a mirror or other reflective surface. Scent of Prey is an Animalism 3 power that lets the vampire track the nearest mortal who had witnessed a masquerade violation. You know, so long as the mortal wasn't already used to that sort of thing. So you can't use this to detect ghouls or hunters. But this seems like a supremely useful power for a member of the Camarilla. To me, this seems like it would make for a good plot device in the hands of a friendly NPC. I mean, players might want it, but you can always still, I think, run it out as an NPC power, even if the players don't want to spend this much experience to be better hounds for the Camarilla Masters. I mean, because, look, 
like let's go deal with the masquerade breach is a pretty common sort of early in the chronicle errand that characters get sent on to you know see if they can prove their worth to the camarilla so at that point they're probably not buying up a new level three power so you know you bring in the npc you can always use that to point them in the right direction if you need to tabula rasa is other than being my single favorite episode of buffy the vampire slayer a dominate four power that inflicts general amnesia on the victim and this does work on other vampires i mean when i say general amnesia i don't mean like you forget a little bit i mean like you have no idea who you are or why you're there and like it doesn't go away kind of power if if one of your vampires are uh, still using humanity does this they probably are going to take stains this one seems to me like it might be best used for npc on npc plot device use right because using it on a player is kind of just like killing the character anyway and a player character who is using this is probably on the way out <laughs> as far as uh you know their humanity level goes but Another cruel mental power is Mask of Isolation, an Obfuscate 3 Dominate 1 Amalgam. Yeah, there's a lot of Dominate in here. It inflicts Mask of a Thousand Faces on the victim, so the victim is no longer recognized for others. Now, this doesn't last for super long, but it can be reapplied, and it probably inflicts stains when you use it on someone who has humanity again so again another one of these this this might be more of an npc use and not even a sabat npc it's a little subtle for sabat use uh, you know for a lot of sabat anyway some of them could do it it's a little cruel for a lot of player characters a little it's a lot of time to be devoting in game to breaking someone down mentally but there's definitely some utility there but nothing like Visceral Absorption. This is a Protean 3 Blood Sorcery 2 Amalgam that allows the vampire to both feed and clean up their murder scene by drawing all nearby inert blood into themselves while vaporizing all solid remains. Like Scent of Prey, this seems super handy for Camarilla or Anarch Vamps. Although... Protean plus blood sorcery is an inconvenient amalgam. I mean, the biggest drawback of this thing might be that Protean 3 also has Earth Meld, which is super handy and iconic, plus shapeshifting, which a lot of people like, but this is an incredibly useful power. And probably the least useful for the Sabbat, who still get the blood but don't really care about the fact that they cleaned up the scene. I don't know. There's Umbrous Clutch. This is an Oblivion 4 power that throws the victim through their own shadow, uh, and they come back out, but a mortal is probably just rendered canatonic, and a vampire who you hit with this has to test to avoid frenzy. Now, transitive blood is a blood sorcery three power that makes the vampire's blood retain its blood bonding powers even after it has left their body. So basically, it makes their blood work like every vampire's blood did prior to V5. This can be a subtle effect, but a powerful one in a world where other vampires are going to think of Vitae as only being a problem when taken directly from the source. There's a lot of subtle and nefarious things you could probably do with this. And, and no, Tremere, it does not get around your bane.
Reclamation of Vitae is a Blood Sorcery 5 power that allows the vampire to severely injure, probably kill, their own ghouls, no matter where the ghouls are, to refill their own blood supply. Giving the cost in stains, and I'm guessing most players' unwillingness to pay this much experience for a level 5 power that will kill off their other backgrounds, this seems best suited as a surprise maneuver in a climactic confrontation against the player's coterie, right? Like, they think they've got the battle won, they think they've got this elder on the rope, so then all of a sudden their rival has a, a very bloody second win to recharge and keep on going. Those are the disciplines. There's also uh, rituals and ceremonies. Bealzebatit, I can't even pronounce it. Bealzebatit is a blood sorcery one ritual that clears the local area of animal life. Communal vigor is a blood sorcery three ritual that, and this one is really Sabbat focused, that would work in conjunction with the Valdery. It increases the blood potency of weaker pack members and. It makes them easier for the caster, presumably the pack priest, to use social disciplines on them. So again, you're going back to this collective but dominated nature of the Sabbat. Yeah, it powers up the weaker members, but it also, again, strips them of their individuality. Galvanic Ruination is another Blood Sorcery 3 ritual that shorts out the electronics in a moderately sized building or the equivalent area including any backups that immediately kick in. This allows a short-term bypass of security systems, but the ritual is usually going to have side effects that will quickly spoil longer-term efforts at stealth, like that backup generator exploding, you know, that sort of thing. There's Simulacrum Gate, a very resource-intensive Blood Sorcery 5 ritual that creates a teleport gate to a single other location that can be used for one round trip, which is still scary as a plot device. On the ceremony side, they've got blinding the alloy eye, an Oblivion 2 ceremony that prevents cameras from seeing you. Harrow Haunt is an Oblivion 3 ceremony that will scare away mortals and possibly vampires from a moderately sized building. Given the mass murder required to use this ceremony, it probably is not going to be used by all any but the most callous of player characters. And then there's Befoul Vessel, an Oblivion 4 ceremony that makes a mortal's blood poison to any vampire who drinks it during the next day. And I say the next day because it doesn't really last longer because then it kills the mortal. Alright, so there's the mechanical stuff. In addition to that, I like all that content that I've just talked about, there's more than that. There's a bit more zoomed detail on the modern Sabbat. Again, like what kind of packs there are. What's a Vanguard pack? What's a Siege pack? What's a Scouting pack? And how do those vary between the different paths? And what are different ways that you can use the Sabbat? What kind of themes might you use? What are some individual events that you might want to have show up in your Chronicle? All that sort of stuff. So what's the bottom line here? Going back to how I started this, right? There are, I think, really two distinct audiences for this book. Folks who want to learn about the Sabbat as they are in V5, and folks who want the Sabbat as they were before V5. Like I said earlier, I think that latter group is just kind of out of luck. There is no support here for Sabbat player characters. There is no mechanical support for Paths of Enlightenment, which is a biggie. There's no mechanical support for rituals. 
But like I said, it goes beyond that because I think that most groups that will want to go to the effort of hacking together mechanics for these things are probably also going to want to resurrect story elements of the Sabbat as well, such as that top-heavy Byzantine political structure. And once you're doing that, once you're hacking together the mechanics and you're resurrecting the older version of the Sabbat, I'm not sure how much you're really getting out of this book. So what about everyone else? All right, so of course there's people like me who are completionists who are just going to get it. But other than us, right, this is very much a storyteller book. Intentionally so. If you want to use the Sabbat as a storyteller in V5, I think it's clearly worth getting, right? It, it's short, but right, it's going to give you the basic framework of how this sect works in V5. So let's say you're a player. You're not planning on running as a storyteller. So what then? Well, there are new discipline powers, but there aren't new any lore sheets. I'm kind of surprised by that because most RPG publishers try to cram a bit more player-oriented content even into even the most GM-focused of supplements in order to get more non-GMs to buy the book. I mean, I find that noteworthy. I'm not saying that's bad. In some ways, kudos for not trying to cram a bunch of mechanical content for players into something that's designed for storytellers, although they still have some. But but you're in this spot. You're a player. It's not a ton of mechanical content. Well, if you're new to Vampire with V5, and you aren't really familiar with the Sabbat, or how it used to be, I would recommend getting this book. It's light on mechanics, but I'll be honest, right? Like, this book has probably more useful fluff information on the Sabbat than, say, the Anarch book does on the Anarchs. Now, if you've already got a good handle on the Sabbat from back in the day, now that useful setting information becomes a lot less useful. The fact that you don't get a mechanical idea of how, say, Paths of Enlightenment work really is going to narrow what you're getting out of those sections. Sure, things have changed. There is new stuff in here, even if you're an old hand at Vampire. But if you already have a general idea of what monomancy and fire dancing are, you're pretty much set on those subjects. So I think that that is a lot more a personal, a closer call for players like that on whether or not you want to spring for Sabat the Black Hand. But still, it's a storyteller-focused supplement, and if you're a storyteller who wants to use the Sabat, I think it's definitely worth getting. If you're a player who is not familiar with the last few decades of lore that's been built up on the Sabat and how the sect works and rituals and paths of enlightenment and all that stuff, if that is new to you, I think this is also definitely worth checking out if you're interested in the background of the setting. I, you know, I, to me, I, I kind of have to pause when I say that because to me, it's like, oh, of course you're interested in the background of the setting. But, you know, if you're, maybe you're not. So I think there's definitely still an audience out there for this, but there's also no doubt that this is going to be a divisive book simply because there's a significant chunk of the community who really doesn't like how the presentation of the Sabbat was changed in V5, and this book is not going to give those players what they want. It's just not. And now, that is Sabat, The Black Hand, published by Renegade Games. As I mentioned at the beginning, I'm recording this. It's October 4th. As of the moment, you can go on 
Renegade's website and pre-order the physical book and immediately get the PDF. I, I don't know how long that will last. So if you, if you wait till the book's out, I don't think you're going to be able to get the PDF with the physical book anymore, if that sort of thing matters to you. But if you're interested, you might want to go check it out sooner rather than later. You have been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there on the Apple Podcasts app or whatever your favorite podcatching service is. If you don't see us on your favorite podcatching service, please let me know so I can fix that situation. I'm Chris at strangeassembly.com. Always like to hear from you. You can also get a hold of us at the usual social media. We are facebook.com slash strangeassembly, at strangeassembly on Twitter, and also at strangeassembly on Instagram. You could also check out our YouTube channel, where I promise not all of the videos are just also podcast audio with pictures. Until then, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.